Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Thank you so much, Rachel. So you're sitting across from someone, whether it be in a restaurant or a coffee shop or a dining room table, and you're engaged in a conversation. You've been talking about a lot of things, but suddenly the tone changes. Suddenly there's a a bit more urgency. Their voice and maybe even their body language signals. Signals that they have something really serious on their mind. Something really serious that they want to share. Maybe it's something that's been on their mind for a while, but whatever it is, everything about the situation tells you it's time to lean in and listen carefully. Because what's being said is urgent. And what's being said is intense. So we've been reading through the Sermon on the Mount And we come toward the end of Matthew 7. It's an intense sermon, but it it seems as I read it, the intensity ramps up at the end. The urgency gets more significant toward the end. At the end, you begin to see Jesus as he's wrapping things up. He's actually pressing for a decision. He's leaning in. He isn't merely giving you some intellectual food for thought that you could take or leave based on how you perceive its value. You don't sense that in the words that Rachel read a moment ago. You sense this urgency with which he's bringing a message that he wants people to hear. I I want us to hear these stark contrasts that Jesus gives. And in some ways, this this passage is not that complicated, but it is, it is significant and it is urgent. So verse 13 was where we began today. I just want us to look at it again. Because Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. You hear the words that Jesus is saying, wide and easy, that is leading to destruction. And those who enter it are many. But there's another gate, and that gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it, those who find it are few. Do you notice the first word is a command? It is an invitation, but don't miss, it's a command as well. Enter. 
Jesus is giving a command to his people. We're told to enter. Why, why does he lead with the command? Because every person has to, to make a decision to enter this gate. So we don't get through this narrow gate that Jesus is talking about. We don't get through that narrow gate simply because of our family, because of our family background. We don't get in this narrow gate simply because our religious tradition. We don't get in this gate simply because... We don't get in this gate because of the nationality or or our citizenship, whatever country that's in. That's not what gets us in that gate. It doesn't just happen automatically. It seems like the default setting, if you will, the default is we're all on this wide, wide road going through this wide, wide gate. That's the default. But a choice, a deliberate choice has to be made to enter into the narrow gate. If we widen out the lens a little bit more, the picture, the word picture that Jesus is giving is, it's like it starts with an entry point. You enter a gate, and then there is this way that you travel, this road you travel, and it leads to a destination. So that's, that's the, the picture that Jesus gives. An entrance, a corresponding road with that entrance, and then a final destination. Here's what stands out to me as Jesus presents these contrasts. One thing that stands out to me is Jesus presents two different ways, not 10 or 15. I remember reading back in the day, I've always enjoyed reading, I remember reading the Choose Your Own Adventure books. And you would flip to this page if you wanted to go this route and flip to that page. And often there was... I don't know, maybe five to ten different endings you might, you might find based on your choice. What Jesus is clarifying is there's two distinct entrances. So you're either on going through one or you're going through the other. There's no neutral. Well, I kind of like to find the middle, not on this one. Neutrality is a myth. There are very different paths. And the other thing that stands out to me is he presents them is, on the one hand, there is this easy way, and there is this wide gate. So what's easy about this kind of default way in which all of humanity could walk, walk down? What's easy about it is it's the way where no one ever tells you no. No one ever says no. This is the way of, like, follow your heart. Because... Your heart will never lead you wrong, will it? Ever. Just follow your own heart. The way's easy. Religion, that's just a matter of taste. You know, some people see it this way. It's a lot of different interpretations. You just kind of make it up as you go. It's easy. It's wide. Yeah, kind of all, I mean, all this stuff about God and even Jesus, doesn't it all kind of lead to the same place anyway? Many different paths up the mountain, but we're all kind of headed the same place anyway. So by consequence, just live the life that you want to live. Do, do things the way you want to do them. Don't let anybody tell you another way. No, no, you just do what, what seems right to you. There's not rules here. Nobody can tell you what to do. And God's going to love you no matter what, so do what you want anyway. And it's wide and it's easy. And Proverbs would say there's a way that seems right, but it ends in death. Judges would tell us about a time where everybody did what was right in their own eyes. 
But there's something else that's easy about this way, and that's that it seems like everybody's going that way. Did you notice Jesus said this easy way, this wide way? It's like many are on that path. Many. So the followers of Jesus can't discern, discern the way they ought to live their lives simply by majority opinion. That's not just in today's culture. That's in any culture, any time. We can't just, like, do a public opinion poll, a Facebook poll, and determine, like, this is the path that we ought to go on because everybody in the world thinks this. Jesus says, actually, there are many that are going to miss this narrow gate. So it's not just like the, the, the court of public opinion or the fact that everybody does it. Those are going to be very unhelpful indicators to guide us on the right path. We're going to need more than that. We're going to need something different from that. Jesus said there are two, guide, two gates and two roads and this other road. So we look at the easy way, the wide path, but then there's another way. And it's not easy. Did you notice Jesus said that like few are there that even find the gate. So it's like what's happened to me at times when someone gives directions to a house and like they say, it's very easy to miss the entrance. You know, you got to look for this and you got to look for that. And you find yourself driving by it and then circling back. Like, where is this thing? And you drive by it again, circle. It's many could just live their life. And many, in fact, do live their life walking right on by this narrow gate. They don't even see it. They don't even pay attention to it. Many will live without giving any, any thought to it. They walk right on by. As a matter of fact, this narrow, narrow gate that leads to a difficult road is so difficult that you, you realize, I'm going to need outside help to find it. I'm going to need something going on saying, this is the, this is the narrow, narrow gate. This is the difficult way. What Jesus is alluding to, so he's talking about gates and like roads or ways, pathways. He's using this word picture, but I think what he's embedding in this word picture are some realities that, that he hasn't even revealed at this point in the story. So you read Matthew 5, and Matthew 5 is early on in the story of Jesus. This is some of his first teaching, his first sermons. But Jesus will expand on this. So we ask Jesus, okay, so you said to enter into the gate, but a really good question would be, where's the gate? What is the gate? What are you talking about? And Jesus will reveal exactly what he's talking about later on as he, he instructs his disciples further. And what we come to find out is the gate that we're supposed to enter, the entry point is Jesus. It's himself. That's what he's saying. It's, it's a, a very narrow gate. But it's him. How do we know that? Because in a passage like John chapter 10, this is later on in Jesus' teaching, he would say this, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. I am the door. So it's a different word, but same concept, isn't it? I, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep didn't listen to them, but I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, so Jesus, you said to enter into the narrow gate. What is the narrow gate? And he would say, I am, I'm the narrow gate. Enter in by me. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's the path. He's the entry point. 
the access point to God forever will be through Jesus Christ, through repentance and faith and obedience to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And that is quite, quite narrow. And Jesus understood that and was preparing his followers that the will of God the Father is that, is that we believe in what Jesus has done. It narrows many things. There's no other basis of trust that will gain eternal life. And the fact is, not everyone is going to believe this. There are some that actually will be offended by you and I and by Jesus himself saying that he's the only way. And there will be some that are so offended by that, they'll say, that cannot be the case. It cannot be that narrow. There's got to be a wide, wide road, many, many paths leading to the true God, and they'll walk right by the narrow gate. That's what Jesus says. They'll walk right by it. Others will observe Jesus and go, he really has some interesting things to say, but I don't know if I'm ready to go in, like all in, And so Jesus will be interesting to them, but not life-changing. And in the midst of that, they're on a wide, wide road. Not only is he the gate, but Jesus also tells us later on in John that he's the way. This is what John 14, 6, Jesus talking. If I understand the timing, this is just hours before he goes to the cross. He says, I am the way. Not a way. I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Jesus is this access point, but also he's the way. So as we follow him, our lives get wrapped up in him. We know no other way to get to eternal life, no other way to get to the Heavenly Father except through our lives being totally wrapped up in him, where he becomes our everything. Jesus is pressing us to make a decision to enter into him, enter into his life. And then as we enter into his life, to walk his way. I wonder, what does that look like in our lives when we, when we get a hold of that, when we get a hold of, okay, he is the entry point, the access point to God. And then he is the way in which we're supposed to walk. What do we live like? What would be the life that would be different between those who are on the narrow way and those who are just following the wide path. And actually, in this Sermon on the Mount, we don't have to look very far to get the contrast of what it's going to look like when you're living life on the narrow road versus living life on the easy path. As a matter of fact, some of you remember how the Sermon on the Mount starts. Jesus goes up onto the mountain, and when he was ready, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. So his followers start hearing the narrow road right from the beginning, don't they? Because actually being poor in spirit is is not easy. What comes much easier to me is feeling like I'm, I'm in control of life. And Jesus will say, blessed are the pure in heart, and that doesn't come natural or easy either. And Jesus will say, blessed are the meek. And that doesn't come so natural or easy. That's, that's the hard way. It's much, much easier for me to be all about myself and all about my comfort and all about my pleasure. And Jesus says, there's another way. It's a harder way. But enter in this way, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Walk in that path. 
That's the narrow road. That's the road that leads to life. Even be willing to be persecuted for righteousness sake because that is the way that leads to life. And and we can imagine the protests going, ah, I don't think it's that narrow. And I actually, Jesus, I hear your narrow road, but I actually like to think of myself like I I kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps kind of person and I'm going to, I'm going to take like living life into my own hands. And Jesus would say, that's a wide way. Lots of people try that. Lots of people think that's the answer. And even at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he leads, Jesus leads with, the narrow way is actually going to be receiving instead of doing, receiving blessings instead of trotting out all these great things you're doing for God. He begins to, begins to and Patrick alluded to this earlier, Jesus begins to also go, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and almost all the time when he says, you've heard it said, it was basically, here's the minimal requirement for living a, a halfway decent life that everybody's going to think you're a pretty good guy, pretty good gal if you live this way. You've heard it said, and Jesus says, there's a harder way. There's a harder way. There's a different standard. There's a deeper obedience required to Jesus, a deeper obedience when it comes to areas of, of lust a deeper obedience that Jesus requires when it comes to being faithful to our marriage, a deeper obedience Jesus requires in issues of anger. We are not not allowed to just say what we want. Jesus says, there's a deeper obedience I'm calling for, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be the the easy way will be to retaliate when 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 you're injured. A hard way to go is to actually love your enemies. He's calling us. Do you hear that? This is the path, and, and I don't want us to be mistaken. What, what path are we on? What gate are we entering by? As you continue to read in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus will, again, kind of contrast the different ways. So there's one way. It's an easy way, and that's to do a bunch of good things so everybody notices, to be seen by men. So you give and you pray so everybody thinks, wow, what, what a person, what a Christian And there's a hard way, and that hard way is in these humble, quiet, private moments, doing the hard work of cultivating something in your soul that prays and gives and fasts and sacrifices for the Lord when nobody sees it but your Heavenly Father. It's a harder way. It's an easier way to just lay up treasures. It's it's actually many people, I mean, all around us, Maybe many of us, even in this room, we're laying up treasures on earth. We're, we're trying to just make this life all that we can get out of it and enjoying every, every dollar that we have for right now, for right now. And Jesus says there's a harder way, and that is to take what you could enjoy now and sacrifice that for treasures that will last forever. That's a harder way. That's not easy. It's easy to be anxious over many things, to worry, to be fearful, Jesus says in in Matthew 6, but he says, don't be anxious. Here's the harder way. Actually, retrain your heart to trust in your heavenly Father, that he does know what's best, and seek his kingdom first, and his righteousness. Seek him. You can trust him. An easy way is to look at others and kind of rank yourself and judge yourself as more superior than they are. To see all the sins and faults, but a harder way is actually to consider yourself first and see the log in your own eye and deal with yourself. That's hard. That's not easy. The easy way is to live a life of 
independence. I don't need any, any help from anybody. I got this. And the hard way is to find yourself helpless and go, Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Because I know you are a good father that gives good gifts to your children. Do you see how Jesus is just laying out two very, very different ways? Two very, very different ways of living. One is as if I'm the center of the universe. And one is as if my whole life is wrapped around Jesus. I see life through the lens of him. In everything I do, I want to bring glory to his name. And so Jesus is saying, enter this way, walk this way. If you have a, a grasp of that, I think it's easier to understand where he goes next. Because you're reading about like entry points and gates and you're reading about roads. But then he turns it in the next few verses and he, he begins talking in verse 15 about false prophets. And he says, beware of false prophets. What does that have to do with anything? Well, see, a, a prophet is someone, and we could probably have a much more complicated definition, but a prophet is someone that says, here's, here's the truth. And here's what you should believe, and here's how you should live. That's what a prophet does. Here's the truth. Here's what you should believe. Here's how you should live. And Jesus said there's actually two kinds of prophets. And one's going to be false, so be very, very careful here. Be alert. You like to think you're independent and you can make up your mind, but we're all influenced by something or someone. And as we begin to process, which prophet are we listening to? Are we listening to a false prophet or, or are we listening to the true prophet? Be careful of the person that says, actually, I think there are many ways. Because the true prophet has spoken and said, there's only one way and he is the way. Be careful of the person that says, you know, I mean, all this thing, a relationship with God, it's actually, it doesn't have to be hard. There's like shortcuts and workarounds and hacks to make, make it a, a thousand times easier. You don't have to, have to do the hard work. Jesus says, beware. Beware because the initial outward appearances can be deceiving. He says, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. That's the outward appearance. It just kind of looks like harmless. But inside, they're ravenous wolves. You're going to recognize them, Jesus says. How are we going to recognize them? Well, give it time and proof will come. Long-term results will be devastating. The end game for these false prophets, these that say, hey, here it is, here's the way to live. And it's contrary to what the true prophet Jesus has just said. He says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, figs from thistles? No, every healthy tree bears good fruit and the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So that's the, the future of this. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. A diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And he says, you're going to recognize this. Because there's going to be a life filled with generosity and purity and prayer and humility and concern for God and others. And there's going to be another path that that shows none of that. What gets me is the next scene that Jesus talks about. So he's laid out these two very different ways, gates, paths destinations. Two very different kind of prophets, one saying, ah, there's an easy way. And the true prophet saying it's hard, but it leads to life. But then there's this gut-wrenching scenario that's played out in verse 21, because Jesus says, it's not everyone, not everyone who says to me. Like you just hear the brakes kind of are smashed down. You go, wait, not everyone. 
Not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, on that day, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, we prophesied in your name. Like, we, we brought you up when we were doing our preaching. And we cast out demons. I mean, we, we saw people in some tough spots and we, we recognized you and we, we brought you into this and we, we tried to help people out, give them some relief. And we even cast out demons in your name. We did mighty works in your name. And Jesus declares to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This picture gets our attention. One, one reason it gets our attention is because, I mean, we may hear Jesus' name used in vain a lot of times that it so weakens our understanding of who he is. But he, here in this passage, he's sitting on the judgment seat. He, he is the one who is the authoritative judge. Everything's routing through him. They're talking to him. Didn't we say to you, Jesus? Didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't we use your name, Jesus? He's the one giving the pronouncements. At first you might think like, man, this person seems earnest. I mean, my goodness. What, they, they were doing things in Jesus' name. They, they call him Lord. Is this, is this like comparable to someone who pays a lot of money to get a ticket to the Super Bowl and gets to the Super Bowl and goes right up to the yeah, entry point and they go to scan the ticket and, ah, sorry, man, you got a counterfeit ticket. And someone gets scammed out of, is that what's going on? Someone ended up like, they did everything right, but my goodness, they get scammed out of heaven. Is that really what's happening here? Actually, what Jesus is teaching in the sermon is, like, no, no one ever gets scammed out of heaven, out of eternal life. What's happened is there is a whole life, a whole life lived. And what Jesus clarifies is it's not about, like, tossing in his name occasionally. It's not about Jesus just kind of hanging around your life a little bit. It's not about you just kind of bringing him into your life whenever you find it advantageous. It's not about using him to get prestige and popularity. No, it's not about that. Actually, Jesus calls them lawless because all their activity is actually against the simple law that he gave. And he said, you can wrap up the whole law into two things, love God and love your neighbor. You can wrap it all up into love God and love your neighbor. But actually, you don't read any of that in their, in their words of, here's what we've done, Jesus. We prophesied, we cast out demons. He says, you're, you're lawless. What's more heartbreaking is they think they know Jesus. And Jesus says, I don't know you. Because in their own hearts, they had so walled that off that there was no relationship. There was just a religious veneer, a Christian veneer even. But there was nothing there. What they didn't count on is what you actually hear on the Sermon on the Mount. Our lives are meant to be not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus draws our attention and He's like focusing, focusing our attention. I, I think it's a helpful point of focus today because we're, we're getting ready to come to the Lord's table. When we come to the Lord's table, it does, it does always, it always makes me consider like, where is my relationship with the Lord? Where am I with him? 
when Paul gave instruction to the church in Corinth, he said to do this. So I, by extension, let's do this today at Ogletown. He said to examine yourself. Examine. Look, take, take a look within. From Jesus, we've heard the truth. How is our life lining up with the truth we've heard? We've heard Jesus tell us this is what it looks like to do the will of the Heavenly Father. This is the person who the Father knows. This is the person who Jesus knows. So are we, are you trusting Jesus as the true prophet who is telling us how to live and what to believe? Are you doing what he says? Are we trusting Jesus as our, as our gate, as our entry point? Or do we think, uh, actually, I think I got another way. Or are we trusting Jesus as our way? We're living life totally wrapped up in him. That's why I'd say if you have no relationship with Jesus, then you partaking of the Lord's Supper would be, it'd be an empty ritual. I would just encourage you to pass the tray and think about something else. And that is this command of Jesus to enter into the narrow gate. It's not just a command, it's an invitation. So what if today were the day you decided that the, the Christian veneer comes off and actually you enter the gate? I'd love to have a conversation with, the, with you about that. I'd love for you to maybe even stay a few minutes afterwards and talk about what it would mean for you to enter the narrow gate and walk in the narrow road. Today would be a great day to do that. But those, for those who know the Lord, what we're saying in, in this time of communion, we're saying many things, but we are saying this. You are, Jesus, you are our gate. We have no other access point to God. And we remember your death and your resurrection, which opened up heaven and eternal life to us. We have found the gate, or, or maybe more accurately, we've been found by our Heavenly Father. And we're saying, Jesus, you're the way. We're committing to do what you tell us to do. Your words, your words are our life. We will obey them. Your life shapes our identity. We are yours. Your death and resurrection give us hope, and so we trust in you. Can I ask you for a moment to just bow your head and close your eyes as we prepare? In a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in an invitation, a song that says, Come. I love this because what Jesus doesn't do is stack up all these qualifications. So to enter the gate, you've got to be this, 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 and this. He just tells us to enter, enter the gate. Walk on the narrow road, the difficult road. So I'll come, come to Christ today. Don't feel like you've got to clean this or that up. You can only come as you are, so, so do that. That's the way. And watch Christ transform your life. Maybe in the next few moments is the is the bread and the juice are distributed, you take time to read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, or maybe you take time to read through Psalm 51, or maybe you just sing along to the words as the, the worship team leads us. But however God leads, let's examine ourselves and be ready. And in just a moment, we'll take this together as a church family.